0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome. Welcome to the Trampoline Hall podcast. I'm your host, Misha Globerman. Trampling Hall, as you know, is a lecture series that takes place in a bar, uh, usually in Toronto, sometimes in other cities. Uh, what happens is people get on stage and they give lectures on topics on which they are not professionally expert they might be very smart they might be really great people they might know a lot about the thing but it can't be their job to know about the thing that they are talking about after each lecture we take questions from the audience and I do that I run those questions me Nisha Globerman I do it myself Uh, this of course is the Trampoline Hall podcast which means in every episode uh, we go back through the Trampoline Hall archives and bring you an amazing lecture from the past along with the Q&A by the way if you like this and you're in Toronto you should come check out the show it's great Uh, get on our mailing list sign up and we'll tell you when those shows are happening but that that is enough about this now is the time for this other thing i will introduce to you um this episode's podcast the topic is the porky feast and the lecturer is laura fisher hello
1: yeah Hello, I'm gonna to talk to you tonight about a clandestine affair I've been carrying on for over 30 years, and the affair is with pork, or at least with the idea of pork. Um, so I realize that it's pretty gross to admit that you have been attracted in an erotic way to the other white meat, um, but bear with me. Why do people have affairs in the first place? It's not that hard to figure out. Dalliances with this, the profane and the forbidden carry an erotic charge. Um, and people want a taste of what's not being served for dinner. So to illustrate this idea, I'm gonna read to you from a diary I kept in fifth grade. (laughs) I forgot to bring the physical diary with me tonight, um, but it has troll dolls on the cover, it was 1993. Um, And for some context, I had just moved across the country from a school where 100% of my classmates and friends were Jewish to a school where I was the only Jewish kid in my grade, possibly in the school. So like the world was opening up for me in a really exhilarating way. Um, Okay, so here's direct evidence from the diary. February 18th, 1993. Yes, all caps. At school, me and five other kids are cooking a Viking feast and it will be pork, yummo. I'm in charge of making apple cake and rice pudding. Okay, February 25th. Tomorrow we're cooking the porky feast, yes. And then a whole page dedicated to a Star of David. February 26th, the next day. Today was so fun, the feast ruled. And then a week later, on March 1st, so it's days after the Porky Feast, but the event is still weighing heavily on my spirit. Uh, March 1st. School was okay. I had no pork at all at the feast. Out of guilt, I suppose. Today I got bonked on the nose at gym. Ow. Julia wanted my phone number. I will never eat pork. Yuck. So just to do an on-the-spot close reading, we have initial attraction, we have the thrill of knowing that I was gonna come face to face with the unknown and the forbidden, and then we have like an emotional whiplash of guilty refusal followed by an extremely unconvincing promise to hold faith in the face of temptation. That's the yuck. So I grew up kosher um, with an asterisk. My dad was Jewish, and my mom converted to Judaism when she married him and So conversion was like a very big event in her life, one that kind of fractured some of her family relationships and so she decided to really, really go for it um, and When you become kosher, it's a way of marking conversion in a very material and concrete way, so much more concrete than like belief or devotion or something like that um, so for most of my childhood, our home had two sets of dishes. One of them we used when we ate anything with meat, and then one of them we used when we had dairy, which is just anything without meat. Um, all the meat that we ate in the house had to have a kosher stamp. It had to be slaughtered in a particular way in certain facilities. And so we couldn't eat pork or shellfish. We couldn't um, mix milk with meat in the same meal. Like So you couldn't have a cheeseburger, or you couldn't have a turkey sandwich with a glass of milk. So. Um, but, of course, I still knew that all of these tasty foods existed because I watched television. And I'd seen how happy people looked when they bit into bacon. Like I, I just really, really wanted to feel that. So, vacations were the big opportunity that I had to get very, very close to the forbidden fruit. Um, one time, my family was taking a trip um, in the Rocky Mountains. We were staying at a chalet. We went out for dinner one night, was maybe eight or nine, and we all ordered hamburgers, all four of us. And um, I really keenly remember the way that the waiter looked as he came to our table. He had all four plates of hamburgers on his arms, and he was like so proud of how beautiful they looked. He was like a peacock in full plumage. And he comes to our table, and then we noticed that they all had cheese on them and bacon and um, so I was immediately crestfallen because obviously my dad just immediately sent them back and asked that they be brought out again um, properly. And I also really remember the look on the waiter's face which was like shock and bafflement and then disappointment and then something very much like sadness which I (laughs) myself started to feel. um, And you know, obviously this was an honest mistake. We were in rural Alberta, um, but my, my dad really felt that like, if you're talking about a food that billions of the world's population can't eat or won't eat because it's considered actually unclean, then it should be something that you at least double check about before you put on a person's plate. Um, so he didn't feel badly at all. But again, like I said, we were in rural Alberta. I don't know how much you can really expect people to understand of the rules of kashrut or halal. Um, and, you know, obviously what's taboo for some people is a food staple for lots and lots of other people. Um, so another time, we were on vacation with my grandmother, and one morning she let us know that she was going to get up extra early, so we should eat breakfast without her and don't, don't worry about her. Um, and so we went up downstairs to the like, the dining room of the hotel, And there she was, sitting at a table with her cup of coffee and a plate absolutely piled high with bacon. I was like, what is this? Totally shocked and scandalized. She was fully caught in the dirty deed. And um, when we went to her table, we're like, Bubby, what's up? She she tried to convince us that the bacon had been brought to her by mistake, (laughs) but it was a buffet. So we're like so then that's where I started to realize that what they told me at school wasn't necessarily what was happening in reality. But the thing about being kosher is that almost everyone cheats, like everyone at least that I knew broke the rules. And in my own family as we my brother and I came towards high school and graduating high school, my parents started to bend the rules in a major way. So like we could order pepperoni pizza, but we had to eat it on paper plates on the living room floor. We couldn't eat it even at the kitchen table. Or they might order shrimp at a restaurant, but they would feel very, very badly and like um, talk about their guilt. The entire meal is like penance. Um, But it doesn't mean that the boundaries are gone, gone. Um, So like my mom, for instance, she might eat sausages at my house or at a restaurant, but she would never cook them in her own home. And the, the really important thing is that going whole hog stays off the table. Like for her, I think at this point, she no longer needs to go to great lengths to prove that her identity is authentic and meaningful, but she's not willing to totally relinquish the the system that gave structure to her life and like oriented her family in Canadian culture. But at the same time, when I try to explain this stuff to friends, it seems bizarre and very arbitrary to them, right? Like, why would you follow the rules sometimes, but not always? Why would you follow arcane rules that are very challenging to follow in the first place if you don't actually believe in them or even know necessarily where those rules stemmed from or what they mean? I mean, what, why would you observe in this kind of illogical or haphazard way? So um, it turns out that looking for a logical explanation for these dietary restrictions is kind of a moot point. So here I need to give you just a very brief explainer on the pork prohibition. So very brief. In order to be kosher, a mammal needs to have two things. It needs to have cloven hoofs, like a split hoof, which pigs do have. And they also need to chew their cud, which pigs don't do. And chewing your cud is like, to my understanding, when an animal does a throw up burp and then swallows it. So they eat their meal (laughs) two times. That's what I've gathered from my researches. So you might ask, what is so wrong with not chewing your cud? But the Bible does not say. When the prohibition shows up in Deuteronomy, there's no explanation. It just simply says, you will not eat these unclean animals. And then it lists a bunch of not appetizing animals, but pigs are one of the animals it lists. Um, And then I learned in my research for this talk that in the Talmud, which is a religious text that um, collects the writings of rabbis over thousands of years. In the Talmud, the, um, the mandate to keep kosher is explicitly named as one that is um, like supra-rational or non-rational, something beyond rationality or logic altogether. And it's actually part of a whole category of commandments, which are defined by the fact that Gentiles consider them illogical and, in fact, deserving of mockery. That's a whole category of commandments <laughs> Um, and, and Jews are supposed to follow those commandments because God tells you to do so, and you're not supposed to ask why. The question why is not really part of the, of the commandment structure here. Um, and so it's kind of like a because I said so logic that passes down from parent to child. And so to me, if kosher laws are um, illogical or, or they're not responsive to the to, rational questioning, that's not why they exist, then it it actually makes sense to me that people implement them in a very piecemeal and kind of random way in the way that my family and most families I grew up with do. I think the point is rather to have some kind of a system for structuring your life and defining your identity. Um, And in fact, my parents didn't actually bring God into it almost at all as an explanation for for why we were following these rules. They had goals that were much more secular and that were much more modern, which was that my brother and I would feel a sense of belonging and distinction at the same time. And they they created these material barriers that would constantly be reminding us um, that we were not completely in step or part of the Christian mainstream, and they hoped that that would tell us who we were every day as we were living. And it just so happens that I was a person who hotly desired BLTs, and they couldn't have <laughs> predicted that. Um, so now, many years later, I don't, really, I don't have any guilt about eating unclean animals. In fact, I feel more concerned about eating animals in the first place, like the ethics of that, I think are much, for me at least, much more pressing. But the plot twist is that I married into a family with a Muslim dad and a Jewish mom. And so the pork prohibition has returned with a vengeance. <laughs> and what I've observed from being part of um, a, a Jewish Muslim power couple, non-believing, is that from my observations at least, Muslims are not fucking around with pork at all. Like there's not there's not the maybe I'll eat it on paper plates or like maybe I'll eat it on a Saturday. There's just not eating it. And so um, my, my husband will eat whatever he wants in his, regular life but when we're around his dad he fully fronts like he would never eat pork ever and I also front like I also completely like oh yes I'll get chicken on my pizza sounds great um, but it's a lie of omission that we're happy to commit and you know for the sake of respect Um, and so I also wonder what our daughter is going to lie to us about because she's just over a year old, so she's not doing a ton of lying yet. <laughs> but um, you know, the the experiences and the objects that we offer her define the whole parameters of her existence right now. So pork defines identity for so many people, but for her, it's just another food that she eats. And so I wonder—you <clears throat> know—it's possible that she'll grow older and she'll feel cheated, you know, because. Um, You know there are all these religious and cultural rituals that we didn't introduce her to or that we didn't keep her from and so maybe she'll feel actually cheated that um, she didn't have any of those kinds of um, prohibitions or decrees to help orient her. um, And she had nothing to rebel against basically. But for now though, we are the ones, my husband and I, who tell her who she is and what, what the world is about, where she fits into it. And this feels like a very enormous responsibility. I think most parents feel that. But the one thing I know for sure is that she is absolutely forbidden to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Laura Fisher, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. Are there any questions? Uh, all the way in the back of the room. Yes, yes. Do you remember the first time you had bacon? Do you remember the first time you had bacon? Or anything or anything. Well, let's start Obviously bacon. Obviously it was bacon. It was bacon, right? You Clearly, weren't like yes. <laughs> right.
1: I don't remember the specific time. I, I think I probably s- pretended I had to go to the bathroom and at, at like a vacation, on vacation at a hotel and then like snuck into the lifted up the silver thing and like grabbed. Do you remember was like was
0: it as good as you thought it would be?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bacon's really yeah. right? like It Like for was. everybody,
0: for if you're kosher, also if you're vegetarian, I've heard veg- vegetarians too i often like, well, but bacon. Yeah. It's like the one thing. It's like amazing. It's so good. So that's so yeah, that was, that was it. So did I answer questions? She stole it. She pretended to go to the bathroom, she stole it. The story is <laughs> apocryphal but has an ecstatic truth to it. Anything else? Uh yes, yes. What does your father-in-law think of your daughter he eating pork? He has no idea that yeah, she eats it. Are you kidding
1: me? No way. Yeah. He'll never know. No. And, and, no.
0: Is your, your next, and what's it worth for you for it to stay that way? <laughs> I think people, people can be trusted here, right? So no one, you're no, is no one about to tell your father-in-law? Is that something you can... All right, so there we go. So that will remain secret. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm sorry to turn that into a threat. I don't know why. <laughs> that's like the God of the Old Testament, like, vengefulness in me, I think. Thank um, you. Any, anything else you would like to know? Oh, yes, back over there. What is the greatest length you went to to hide your consumption of pork? Awesome, yeah.
1: To hide it? You know, I think the thing is that once I started eating it, I don't think I really hit it that much. I could never order it if my parents were paying up until, you know, like at a restaurant as a kid, I could never order it. But I think it all happened away from them and out of um, out of the sight of people who would condemn it. And so I think it just double life. I think it was just a double life. So <laughs> it, it was just a double life of,
0: like being, of being an adult, basically, where it's like yeah. you can do things like if you're not around right. your parents, you do it. And wait, and now, I'm, lost track. I'm sorry, do you eat park around your parents now?
1: Yes, I do. You do. You do? Mm-hmm. So when
0: did that, when did that flip? When does that change?
1: I think at a certain point when my brother and I were teenagers, I think my parents looked at each other and were like, okay, we're d- they're done. Like we've, they're as Jewish as we do. need them to be. And they're you know. less and less so every day. So yeah, right. <laughs> right. so there's no, yeah. Right, we do there's we no stopping this train.
0: Okay, yeah. all right, cool. So there, all right, so there you go, yes. Anything else you would like to know? Any other questions? Yes, over there, yes. I'm just thinking of like, Little Miss, or Miss Piggy. You're thinking of Little Miss Piggy or Little Miss Piggy as you affectionately call her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, like, a, like, 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 she's, right. she's sexy? So do you think pork is universally eroticized (laughs) as instantiated by that hot pig who dated Kermit, Little Miss Piggy?
1: You know what? That's a really good question. Can you imagine if Miss Piggy were a cow? Like, Miss Cow? Like, it just wouldn't... Yeah, I think there's something something there. (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel that
0: what makes the Myths Piggy character work is that our culture thinks of pigs as fundamentally sexy. I don't think, I don't think that's what's going on there.
1: What do you think? What do you think?
0: I, the clothing? I don't know. I guess I think part of the joke is that pigs aren't sexy, but she's like this like hotsey totsy pig, even though it's not as sexy. So Maybe I'm saying too much about what I think about pigs and, <laughs> and hotsy-totsiness in general, and I should just step back a little bit, but I don't know. I There's a jolliness
1: to her sexiness, which is very pig-like. We can
0: agree that she's hot, for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, uh, over there, yeah. I don't think we answered your question, but I just got nervous. So, yeah, we'll go over here. Did
1: you What's that? How else
0: did you rebel? How else did you rebel is the question.
1: Tatum. Well... <laughs> what did you say? Her name. Oh, her name. <laughs> I thought
0: it was like a new swear word that you... Tatum was your name. Okay.
1: How else did I rebel?
0: Do you mean against Jewishness, specifically, or generally? Just generally? Both, okay.
1: Um. Um, you know, like the classic drug. I don't know, like <laughs> the, the, the tr, I don't know, the trifecta of bad things that everyone does. Um, oh no, I know gambling. what it is. I have I have a clean-cut answer for you. My my parents are classical musicians. And so I played violin as a child. And they very much wanted me to pursue that or take it more seriously than I did. And I think the big rebellion was when I quit violin and took up guitar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What kind of guitar did you play?
1: What kind of guitar? Yeah, was it
0: like? What did you play? It was like like rock and roll electric guitar? Or did you take like a classical nylon string?
1: Guitar? It was um. It was an electric acoustic, so it could be plugged in. Oh, that's a, that's. But it that's had the chunkiness of the. So much like eating acoustic.
0: the bacon, and you It's like it can kind of go either way, right? Because it's like, cl- like the acoustic guitar is sort of close enough. Yeah. You can...
1: You're learning a lot about me. Yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Good.
0: So does that answer your question? All right. Uh, yeah. That tells us a lot. Okay. Yes. Over here. Yeah. So the Master of None episode where Aziz Ansari eats pork in front of his parents, we're assuming that you've seen it. And given that you'd have, what, did you, what are your um, thoughts on the episode?
1: It's been a while, but I think I remember thinking, cool, there's an episode of television about this. <laughs> like, I think that's, that's all I can remember. I think I liked it. Um, did something bad happen in it? No, Everything know. is tarnished in my memory now. I can't... So for me, it was very, I was like, this is really rude that you would do this in front of your parents. And I felt like it prompted a lot of conversation amongst my friend group, so I was wondering if yeah. you had any... I mean, I think the only reason that I ate unkosher things around my parents was because they did too. Probably if they themselves hadn't started slacking, then I would have been a good daughter to the end. But because they <laughs> broke, <laughs> I broke.
0: So better that, that than that, unseen scenes and sorry, character. Yes. It's still, so still more... Because he does it just without...
1: Yeah, he's like sick of pretending yeah. because he's an adult now. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, there you go. So, all uh, right, uh, uh, over there. Yes. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, how
0: would you uh, react if your daughter's future act of rebellion was embracing orthodoxy? What if your daughter becomes an orthodox <laughs> <laughs> Muslim Jew? Is that if she embraces some form of orthodoxy and that's her act of rebellion? How would you feel about that?
1: I would support her in any of her decisions as long as no one gets harmed. Oh. Unlikely to happen, though. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: unlikely that she'll make decisions that won't harm anyone, you mean? <laughs> she, 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 when she's two years old, but you already sense that, like, one year old, you sense that harm coming up in her? Is that the No, anything? I
1: it just, I feel like she has a deviance about her. I don't see was her going she that way. She was one? She's 14 months. She's got a personality. <laughs> yeah. She has a deviance? What is that? What is that? Cheerfully, I'll... like, cutely.
0: Okay. okay, all right, so you feel like already you feel like, oh, she's a rule breaker?
1: Yeah, and she's going agree. to harm people
0: <laughs> because that was the question. Is that I would
1: just be surprised, but anything could happen, and I would support her. Oh, so obviously,
0: oh, you would be surprised if she became orthodox, yes, not I, if would. She, I see. I'm sorry, okay, yeah. all right. So okay, but you would support her. Okay, so there you go. Does that answer your question? Are you happy with the answer?
1: Sure. Okay. Good. We'll talk um, later. <laughs> yes, back there. Yeah, back there. Do you
0: remember anything else about the porky feast? Do you remember anything else about the porky feast?
1: So I had just moved to this school maybe a month before I was pretty much just like um speed dating all the girls in class, like trying to figure out who's going to be my best friend and I think I just remember that I was happy with the girls who were in my group. That's all I remember I'd, but I don't remember obviously I wrote that I was too guilty or I felt bad or I decided not to i don't really I don't remember that feeling happening in me. I just relearned of it when I read the diary
0: did you was it called? Was the porky feast the name you gave it or the name that it had? Okay, it wasn't no, called it was, the porky No, it was feast. like a,
1: vi- it was part of a unit on Vikings, so I think it had a social science. It was just called science. a Viking feast. It was called a Viking feast. But you were feast. like, oh, this is the porky feast. Yeah. And, and do you
0: think that the other kids knew? Do you know if the other kids knew that that was like a big deal for you? Were they like, oh, the Jewish, Jewish girl's gonna eat pork? No, that was just like no, a private adventure when, that no. you were having.
1: No, that was totally just inside. Yeah. Cool. No, when you're a new kid, you don't need to tell everyone all your stuff. You can yeah, just I guess pretend be to a bad, be... I, I have completely yeah.
0: misunderstood what a like, is like. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> really different. Yeah, that's not, like, <laughs> not anyone's yeah. strategy. Okay. No. So does that tell you what you know about the porky feast? Sure, it does. Yes, over there. Yes. Why does what? He's like, why doesn't anyone talk about the meat and dairy prohibition? Why does bacon get all the press? Is that your question? Right. You're like, that's pretty. Right. So why? Do you think there's a reason Um, for that?
1: Because it would kind of entail like just really wanting to have a glass of milk with your dinner. Like it isn't. It's not a desire that I think a lot of people strongly feel. I could be wrong. I think it's just it's less flashy, and it's just less desirable. And also. I can't remember why that prohibition exists. It is something to do with like laying in mother's milk, it maybe. You, it
0: says you don't cook no. a calf in the milk of its mother. That's yeah, the, I'm here for the Talmudic additions. Got like it. Whenever <laughs> you're missing anything about the Talmud, the Kabbalah, that's sort of my main function yeah. here. Yeah, don't boil Thank a you. calf in the milk of its mother. Misha. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So um, That's why.
1: I don't know. I think it's just less. It 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 doesn't it doesn't speak to desire in the same way that bacon does. Right,
0: because don't eat a pig. He's like, I want to eat a pig. Yeah. You're like, I didn't want to boil a calf in the milk of its mother anyhow. <laughs> why, why would I want to do that? <laughs> Never crossed my but mind. But I look at a lobster and I'm like, <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so who, uh, yes, over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, if not being kosher, what aspects of, of Judaism or Jewishness do you still
1: hold? What
0: aspects of Jewishness do you still hold?
1: Oof. Okay, well... Guilt. Guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are certain like um, cultural personality traits that I have and that I appreciate in others. Um, Misha, do you agree <laughs> that, <the laughs> that, that you appreciate Jewishness? That they exist, sure, that yeah, Jewish. Tra- oh, you mean that there are? Yeah, Sh- that there are, are Jewish. Sure, people so are, our are Jewish. Extent of humor. Okay. Yeah. He's not going to help me with this. That's that where that. the word comes um, from. Are there Jewish? <laughs>
0: that's what they're talking about. Yeah.
1: I, in my like, I. I I'm interested in Jewish history. Um, I'm interested in Jewish labor history. I like to pick the parts of Jewish history that best serve my sense of self today. Um,
0: Do you think of yourself as like religious in some way now? Because being kosher is like a sign of not just being, not just like whatever, liking sarcastic jokes, but it's like a it's a sign normally of being in some ways connected to the religion. Do you mm-hmm. feel connected to like the religion as opposed to just like the cultural identity? Like does the
1: I mean, I grew up going to synagogue every week, so right. there are certain melodies. You know, like when I hear them, I feel connected to them. Right. Um, I'm not religious in, in the least, so okay. no.
0: All right, no. so no. So so so, cult- so the cult- that cultural connection, but, but not the religious connection. Well, the
1: lucky thing about being Jewish, and I think probably other religions too, but I can't speak for them, is that you can literally believe in nothing and, like, practice nothing and still be like, I'm that. It's me. You know, you you can still you can still have that identity or feel part of the culture without any of the yeah, actual practice.
0: Is, when I started that sentence, I was like, well, you don't hear the lucky thing about being Jewish. Is that, is not, but it's true. That is the lucky thing about being Jewish. <laughs> yeah. No one ever talks <laughs> about the luck of the Jewish, but that's what it is. That's <laughs> a, that's what, that's a, for for reasons yeah, that should be reading. obvious. <laughs> but yeah. um, anything, any other, any other questions? Yeah, uh, yeah, back there. Yeah. Um, when you through, did you get frustrated with your parents? Like, did you get what? Frustrated with your parents? Oh, did their inconsistency frustrate you? Were you like, hey, like, a, yeah, was that was that frustrating for you? Though?
1: Well, they didn't become inconsistent until I think they trusted that we were old enough to understand why. So when I was little, they were fully consistent. Like, they were very strict for quite a while. It wasn't until I was maybe 15 or 16. And by then... <laughs> Um, we all kind of like broke together, so I had no problem with it. Yeah, I think if I had, see- you know, I was so shocked to see my grandmother being inconsistent. I was like, "But the ancestors—they're why we do this." And I that. Was that's
0: the real tradition. Shocking. I to, that, to me, is, like, for me, like, when you think about like, the, the Jewish identity, I didn't grow up kosher at all, but in the world in which I grew up, like, when, if you care about the cultural identity, for me, that's what the cultural identity is. It's to have a, a set of plates for milk and for meat and then a set of plates for Chinese food that's, yeah. like, separate. <laughs> that, like, you're like, yeah, yeah, and those don't go together, and that's yeah. how we do, and that's almost, like, it's almost, to me, it's like, if you're thinking of the cultural tradition, the contemporary one, it's almost more authentic, right? That, like, yeah. the cheating's built into it, and, like they say, the guilt is built into it. It's, like, yeah. all one beautiful system of uh, guilty pork Clearly, I feel connected to that. Yeah yeah, 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 for sure. Anything else, any other questions? Anything else you'd like yeah. to Yes, yeah, so over there, yeah. post prohibition did you ever convince others to turn to the side? Did you actually get to the point of not just eating pork, but trying to get other Jews or, let's say, Muslims <laughs> to eat pork? Is that, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, like super pork.
1: Um, no, I never have. No, never Would you have. consider it? I would not.
0: Why do you ask this question? So you're a Jew who specifically tries to get other Jews to eat cheeseburgers? Is that your, like, that's your, like... I was, I was the enabler, but I wasn't convincing her, but I was there. But you're you were there, was that was that kind of happy? Were you like, yes. I was like, I've done it, you can do it, too. So <laughs> you can do it, too. Well, that's, I think that, I like that you consider that not to be convincing. To be like, here, come do this. That's convincing. I'm, I'm convinced. I would, but yeah, that, okay. So, uh, so you haven't done that, but he has... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the question is there. Would you, does that seem like an appealing thing for you to try to? Or even as a kid, were you like to other Jewish kids, like, oh, you should eat bacon?
1: <laughs> um, I don't think I ever did actually, no.
0: Oh, there you go. What about when you were innocent. At, when you were at the Jewish school? Did you eat? Had you never? Did you eat no pork at all when you were at the Jewish school? No, no. no. So did no one eat pork at the Jewish school? No, no. One wow, ate no one it. ate pork. No, no one ate pork in the whole Jewish school. Zero, well,
1: probably secretly, Zero, in secretly in their families they no, were.
0: But as you know, if there was no, problem, no one was like, hey, let's go behind the school. I got a, no. I got a slim jim. Like no one was like. <laughs>
1: No, no. In fact, the school had a, like catered meals that we ate. We couldn't bring food from home into the school, so no one's home food or like home meals were part of the day. Like wow. we didn't bring our own lunches or anything because right. peop- they knew that you couldn't actually mandate that people be kosher if you let people bring food from home. Sure, but sure, yeah, sure. Right. We okay. didn't see each other's home food that much. It was
0: right. Okay, so there's, there you go. So no, she hasn't. She's not about to start. <laughs> it's morally questionable what you're what you're doing. <laughs> I Where never said you? that. Anything else, any other questions? Oh yes, all the way over there. Yeah, yeah. Would you still support your daughter if she really, really into Christmas? You still support what? Would you still support your daughter if she like one day got really into Christmas? Into business? Christmas. Christmas. I'm sorry, I, I can never tell the two apart. The question is the question is, would you support her daughter your daughter if she got into Christmas?
1: Well, I mean, she's definitely going to, right? Like, yeah. I don't think it's going to be avoidable. So, yeah, what are you going to do? What I support? I don't know. We're really stressed about, about it. To figure it out we now. don't know what to do at all. She wants a
0: tree, Santa Claus. Maybe she wants a little Jesus in there, too. A little Jesus. Yeah. She's like, she wants both on the tree.
1: I think we'll just do, TikTok. we'll give lots of presents for the holidays that we will celebrate by having a dinner and giving presents and but yeah that's have obviously going to happen it'll be yeah. difficult
0: have you ever seen an actual child they're like i they're, know i know they're I know. like they really they are really into santa claus they santa love claus it it's very important
1: they love it yeah i know
0: so do you but you don't have like a pre you don't have a you don't, you don't have no sense of what you're going to do
1: i don't know i see myself in this only this one specific way actually becoming my parents which is i like, no Absolutely not, you will not. It's like the last, for me personally, it's like the last thing to fall. It's I such have like a keep. beautiful
0: image of what parenting is, which is, I just want to point out that a mere six minutes ago, you were like, I will support my daughter in whatever belief she holds, <laughs> as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. And then someone's like, what about perhaps, I don't know, the most popular good-natured belief that children hold that brings them more joy than anything else in our culture. You're like, well, that's where I draw the line.
1: If you put it that way, I can't really justify it. <laughs> no, it's a know. gut feeling. Okay. We'll no, see. I, no, for sure. We'll All
0: right. Well, you know, we'll, we'll come back and see. Yes, yes, ma'am. Did you want Christmas? Did you want Christmas?
1: I did, yeah. Yeah. You did? I did, but but most of my friends didn't have it, so it wasn't a thing where I was going to school and people were talking about it. Like, no one was really talking about it, so it didn't feel like I was missing out, but... I wanted it anyway, because I watch TV. What about when you went to the Gentile
0: school, though? Presumably, they were, they were having the Gentile school. Yes, I think, oh, that's still, like, my Jewish <laughs> education coming up. Like, I picture a big... It's like, you know, Toronto School for Goyim. You know, it's like, that's not what... They, they just called it school. But what did... But at that kid... did they? They must have had Christmas. Did you feel... They
1: had Christmas. I think at that point, I snapped into kind of, like the beginnings of what would become my counter cultural identity which was like no i don't celebrate that i don't want to oh, right. i have other stuff that i'm into <laughs> like so
0: it's not because i'm jewish because i'm like goth or whatever is yeah. that like the, I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: christmas is so not goth <laughs> it's like, <laughs> definitely, it's even more not goth yeah. not
0: Jewish. it's true so, so so for you it was just like you were just enough of a teenager that you could just ignore christmas yeah i just like and,
1: quickly became a teenager and just too cool for it anyway or whatever. Too cool for Christmas. Okay, so
0: there you go. So from too Jewish for Christmas. You guys are making cool me so anxious co- about
1: Chris Christmas. <laughs> you should
0: be very I have a little boy and I'm I don't care a lot about being Jewish, but I care a lot about being atheist. And when he comes home and he's like, Daddy, Daddy, what about the invisible man in the sky who's gonna bring me presents if I'm good with a beard? I'm like Ugh. Like it's like it's like, oh you've taken like everything that's wrong with religion and everything that's wrong with like commercial culture, put them into one person and made that be the most important person in childhood. It yeah. is difficult.
1: Yeah, and then you have to be the bad guy. So okay. Then you have to be the bad guy. I do have to be the bad, yeah, yeah. Have the bad guy. Or not.
0: I don't know. I the bad guy. Anything else? Any other questions before I move on? Any other Anything else? I think, you know what? I think normally we, there's a rule. I don't know. In the, in the business, you say you try to end just on a note against Santa Claus, and I think we've done that nicely, <laughs> so we'll wrap it up there. Please welcome Laura Fisher. Thank you. Trampoline Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecture was chosen by Emily M. Keeler and Charles Yao. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Our coordinating producer is Kate Bars. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can really help us out by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. It helps a lot. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening.